What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We in the Fight Club and we talking the return of John Bones Jones against Cyril Gunn for the heavyweight championship of the world. This marks for Saturday on pay-per-view at the Crypto Arena. Of course, we got the co-main Valentina Shevchenko versus Alex Gresso. For the flyweight championship, Shockrock, Ramanov, uh, Geoff Neal, Matois Gamrock, Jalen Turney, Bo Nichols, UFC debut, Cody Garbrandt, Derek Brunson, Decent Duplessis. Oh my. But before we get into it, as always, go down, like, and subscribe, comment your picks and your bets for this fight. Talk all the shit you want. We're here for it. These are your hosts. I'm Paul Pickowinum Concha. And who's with me? Hey man, I'm over here watching these John 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 Jones hold fights. Don't 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 mind me. But if you didn't know, I don't mind telling you and your mommy. That's your boy Lil KK, aka the Don Pye, aka the realest motherfucker on your screen, aka the John Jones enthusiast, part bones. You feel me? This is gonna be a great fucking card. But Paul, first off, we gotta recap UFC fight fight night Vegas seventy. Okay. All right, congratulations. That's how good the card was. Is that with the card? And no fucking main event. <laughs> the card literally, literally, I walked in a Twitter space and all I hear is this card sucked. This card, no, do not, not, not like, oh, this is what a million people. No, one person, this card sucked. This card sucked. This card sucked. And I was a Twitter space and we all was out of there by 10 30. Hey, I will still say that card was better than the Jessica Andre card. Really? I don't know. I'm not gonna lie, it was this two week stretch where they both were dropped. But let's get into the fucking what is it, 285 UFC 285. I got my shot poured up. I'm drinking on Kraken. Let's get this shit cracking. Oh, I fuck with that. But nah, man, this card is fucking head to toe. Like, I gotta pull up for the early prelims. That's how crazy this shit is. Shit, in the early prelims, we got that boy Ian Machado Gary, 10 and 0, fresh out of Ireland. Some people think he's the next Connor. I hate that because they say Patty's the next Connor. How can two people be the next Connor? I do think Ian Machado Gary definitely has a better skill set than Patty. So maybe he can be the next Connor. And he's actually out of Ireland. But he's going up against Keenan Song, a super heavy favorite. I think it was minus 700 the last time I seen. I just fuck with Ian Gary because that boy is a personality. Like him at the weigh-ins, the tongue out. Ah. Like that boy, that boy always on demon time. I fuck with him. I just wish he had better mic skills to be able to build his star status. And the other issue I have with him is when he is on the mic, he tries to beat Connor. Whereas when I feel like when Patty's on the mic, Patty is being pouty. Patty, he's just a scouser. He's talking his shit as a scouser. He's a scouser through and through, and it happens to sound like Conor McGregor. Whereas Ian Machado Gary is, he gets on the mic and tries to sound like Conor McGregor. Like, bro, just be your own person, and I feel like this, it's up for you because your skill set is there. So I can't wait to watch this welterweight fight here. Hey, man, I mean, I actually got, I actually fucked with Ian Gary to the fullest. I don't know too much about him. What's his fighting style? Is Ian he a Gary? Mm-hmm. Um, so Ian Gary, he kind of nicknamed the future because you know he is the future, at least in his eyes. He's he's very good on the stand-up, he can crack you. He uh he has one submission win, so he can't get a submission, but I want to get used to it. He's very much a puncher. Former Cage Warrior champion. Cage Warriors is where they um Connor came from, so that's another reason why he gets the Connor like uh, recognition and all that. Oh. But I mean, he's the real deal. I think he has enough. Like he's he's literally the closest thing to Connor in my opinion because he has the stand up to knock your lights out, beat you on the stand up, and he has good takedown defense. No, he's not known for takedowns and submitting you and getting your back and all that stuff. But neither was Connor. Connor was a fucking knockout artist, and that's what I think Ian Gary's. He at least deserves the Conor McGregor, uh, like lookalike type shit. I like. I'm looking at his last fights, and I'm like, oh, they only put him on big cards too, like Usman versus Covington. Vol- I'm like, I've heard his name before. He was on the Volkanovski versus Korean Zombie card, and he was on Adesanya versus Cannonier over in um Abu Dhabi, not Abu Dhabi, um National Fight Week. 
I like him way better than Patty. Like as I was like, who do I think is the first loss? Patty. Okay, so yeah, we taking Ian Gary on this one. Super heavy favorite here. Yeah, like I got a few bets with him parlayed in just because I don't see him losing this fight at all. There was a, a chance of where I felt like, okay, maybe he could end up like um Patty, where like it's too hype, you know, like there's too much hype around him. He's not like uh Patty versus Josh Gordon. A lot of people think Josh Gordon won that fight. Or Jared Gordon, my bad, Jared Gordon. But isn't it leave it? Huh? Isn't it's not Jordan Leave it? It's Jared Gordon. No, Jordan Leave is the one he submitted. Oh, okay. Gordon was his last fight in the last card. And it was a it went to the decision. A lot of people thought Gordon won, but Patty got the win. Who knows why? But nobody knows. Yeah, after watching him versus Gabe Green on the last card, Adesanya versus Cannon Year, which is, I'm talking about Ian Gary, he looked crisp as ever. And in the fight before that against Darren Weeks, who's been around in the UFC, he looked really good. Whereas, like, I watched Patty get hit with some shots by a motherfucker named Luigi in the UFC. All right, like, get dropped almost. So, like, that's why I think Ian Gary actually has a super future ahead of him. It's like, I haven't seen him. Like, I've seen him look kind of eh in his first couple, his first fight in the UFC. But his last two, he's left a really good taste in my mouth. And I'm like, okay, this guy actually is the future. This guy actually can make some noise in welterweight the next two years. Oh, no, man. Oh, no, I'm tripping. Every time somebody says the future, I think Ilya Tapori. I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Taporia is the better future, Nick. Like, if anyone is the future, Taporia. I'm shocked he's not on his card. I would have thought because isn't he French? No, I don't think he's French. Maybe he is French, but I don't believe. Maybe yeah, like I maybe I could be wrong, but I just when I see his flag when he fights, I don't think it's French. Mm-hmm. I gotta see. I gotta actually follow him on ESPN. But let's get into this prelims, man. We got the big dog out of Penn State. Off Jander White's contender series, Bo Nickel versus motherfucking Jamie Pickett, bro. Don't hate on Jamie Pickett, a UFC veteran at middleweight. I love this fight because Bo Nickel needs a, a test. And I'm not talking about a test like, oh, he needs to fight somebody in the top 15. No, he needs somebody who's fought people in the top 15 and has fought people outside of the top 15 and has fought everyone in between. And that's exactly who Jamie Pickett is. I respect it because Jamie Pickett, I was watching his interview. He says if everybody's coming in thinking like he's an underdog, like, no, you got to respect that he's been doing this motherfucking UFC, this MMA shit for a minute now. Bo Nichols a great wrestler, phenomenal state um, national champion. He did his thing and he did it at Penn State, which is probably the best place to do it when it comes to tradition. But Jamie Pickett's like, yo, bro, I'm not no motherfucking slouch. I better put some respect on my name. What's his record? Uh, his record is 13 and 8. He's off the contender series in 2020. But, like, this is his best win. He's had that I'll, let, I'll let you pick, Kev. Who's who's the best win? Loriano Stopoli, Joseph Holmes, Jehovan, Jehovan Pati. Since he's joined the UFC, who's the best win? Joseph Holmes, Lorino Stropoli, or Johovan Patti? I don't know any of these individuals. That's, a, that's my whole thing with Jamie Pickett. Is. It's like, yeah, he's a decent fighter, but like Bo Nichols getting brought in for a certain reason. They're not giving Bo Nickel a, 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 a prelim fight on a super stack card for, for no other reason than I want to show you off to the world. And that's what this fight is to me. Right. This man, Sean Jones, submitted Leona Machito so bad. Yeah, that's a, hey, I told you to stop at the first round, bro. I told you to stop. Nah, and the worst part, I watched this whole fight and just looked like, you ever just see like a like an eighth grader fighting a sixth grader in middle school? Like, that's what it looked like. He was just way But the sixth grader was landing some shots now. All right, that sixth grader was hitting some pieces. Sixth grader, sixth grader not no bitch or nothing. Definitely not. Because he also didn't tap out. He definitely prefer to go unconscious. You rather die. I appreciate it. All right. And it was standing. Like he said, I'm going out on my feet. Uh, no, but like Bo Nickel, Kevin got the wrestling background. Wasn't he class of 16? Was he was he in our class? Uh maybe, but like I stopped following on um, high school wrestling once I graduated. Oh, okay, okay. But I, but I 
boys the truth that's all i say like the reason why the only people they someone said the only person that probably has the same credential no man they said nobody other than ben Askren has the same college credentials than bo nick um don't listen to everything here because there's some nice ass niggas especially coming out of penn state you got like david taylor no but i'm talking about in the ufc Oh, and oh, UFC, oh. there's been like DC, great. He was an Olympic, uh, fine. Like he, he didn't make the team, but he was part of the Olympic team. But when you talk about just collegiate credentials, what you did in college level alone, other than Ben Askren, there hasn't been no other guy coming to UFC named uh, the, the that can touch Bo Nichols. Oh, oh, Torres, who we saw on the previous card, who was a fucking demon. She herself wasn't no collegiate superstar. She was like she did stuff towards the end of her years in college, but no one's done something what Bo Nickel did in college. Not even close. But don't get me wrong. It it's interesting because like that's a very interesting thing, right? That's a that's facts, but it's not like that big a deal at the same time. Because what he did in college was insane. He I'm pretty sure he went he um won I can't remember if it was three or four in national titles. I think three. three. And he went all three years undefeated. Yeah, he's a fucking animal. He's a fucking beast. He's a monster. Three different weight classes, too, because he got bigger every year. And then you also have to respect the fact that he did chose not to go to the Olympics after this. He said, no, I'm going to the UFC. So he's coming in here to, he has, he's young and he has time. He's coming in fresh and he has time to learn. He's coming fresh off of wrestling. So, like, anytime he's in a place where he doesn't really understand, he can wrestle his way out. He can definitely wrestle, get into wrestling, get into good wrestling positions and get comfortable. That's not always the best in UFC when you can have BJJ motherfuckers that can choke the fuck out of you at all times. But it is nice to have something in your back pocket that you feel comfortable with. But my thing is, that's a cool, but it's not the coolest thing. Because like DC went D3. Like John Jones went like 5 and 35 his first year in a motherfucking um, um, freshman on the wrestling team. Motherfucking GSP. John Jones right. also was D two, I believe. He wasn't D one. Mm, oh no, my, yeah. you could be right. I'm thinking about Kamaru Usman. Usman was D two. And that's another one. Kamaru Usman got his ass whooped in the Olympic trials. Like motherfucking. And then um, GSP didn't. He, I don't think GSP wrestled come high school or anything like that. He didn't wrestle and, till the UFC. And like he used to put on master classes. So like wrestling is one of those things that you kind of have to understand. It's like if you can get the feeling and understanding, like experience and stuff, you can kind of jump levels. Because most niggas start when they're four, but they get their asses whooped by motherfuckers that started four years ago. So, like, it all depends. You feel me? But I do love to see it because you don't ever see a good ass. And I don't want to talk about this fight too much more. But um, you don't get to see, like, good wrestlers. Like, I came up, there were some great wrestlers. Like, even out of Florida, you got Kyle Nordstrom, Dylan Lucas motherfucking and on the national circuit you had the whole motherfucking filler i forgot there was this team from illinois that was so motherfucking nice and they had a nigga named zach taylor like motherfucking there was so many nice wrestlers even like jordan burroughs might be able like would be a crazy nice wrestler but like what the fuck do you do when a motherfucker is punching on your face while you're trying to go for that takedown like dc made a dc's probably had one of the best single legs in the world but, like, he also had crazy knockout power. So, like, it's interesting to see what Bo Nickel looks like in this fight. I will say, you know, three fights in, Bo Nickel, two on contender series, both first-round submissions, triangle choke and rear naked choke. But his fight before the UFC, the contender series, was an icon FC. He got a first-round KO in 33 seconds, and he had a clean-ass three-piece to knock him out, where it seems like, I mean, I could be very ignorant to everything because I haven't done these martial arts, but my idea is I think it's way harder to teach somebody high-level wrestling versus teaching somebody high-level striking. Oh, facts. And that's what I think. When you have somebody with not just high-level wrestling, but phenomenal-level wrestling, like there's a different tier of wrestling than we've seen so far, and you teach them striking along the way, that boy's going to be – I just think Bo Nickel's really going to be a demon. And, like, I could definitely see – if you took me the top 15 people at middleweight, he could beat probably six, seven. I don't – but I don't – any one of those top 15 middleweights, and, you know, middleweight's not the heaviest division. He's got Whitaker, Izzy, and Piera right now. But outside of, like, if he gets a leg of any of those other top 15 guys, he's taking them down. 
and even against Alex Piero right now, if he grabbed Alex Piero's waist, if he got, if he locked his hands behind him, if he got his neck, if he got him in a fucking single leg shoot, he's taking him down. And I don't, I saw Izzy manhandle Alex Piero. I don't think he's getting enough from a Bo Nickel take that. And that's just, like, I'm not trying to overzealous and over, over, like, sell this person, but these UFC casuals got to understand, Bo Nickel could really, if his striking levels up with the way I see it has so far, he, he could be potentially the, one of the quickest title shots we've seen in the UFC, especially because the middleweight is very small. He could be like John Jones type where like he's winning a belt super young, like 20 something years old. And like, who else is there to beat? Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm rooting for Bo Nichols. And I just didn't give him that much respect. I was going to wait to see like, yeah, yeah. I would low-key save this clip right here, Paul. I'm going to see like, yeah. I'm Paul, I am willing to bet a lot that a Bo Nickel in the next two years is going to be at least top 10 in middleweight. But I'm talking about like for the for the rest of his career, like top 10 middleweight forever. Just because we'll I don't know how much his level, his striking will level up because Izzy and Pierre could knock him out before he could shoot a takedown type shit. Like if they're if he doesn't strike as good as I think he will. I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer in I think having a crazy high level wrestling is cool, but I'm really in this bitch. If you have a crazy high level wrestling, it's the takedown defense. I think that's so powerful. The way to get reversals in a way like that to me, that takedown defense is what you really, really, really need in the UFC. All right. Well, we can't spend too much time on this fight, so we'll move to other prelim fights real quick. We got Derek Brunson versus Drikas Duplessis. South Africa on the map with Drikas Duplessis, number 10 middleweight in the world, going up against Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson's a big underdog here, plus 190 last time I saw. I personally, I got Brunson in this fight. Like, last time we saw him was against Cannoneer in a title fight where I felt like Brunson was winning until Cannoneer landed an elbow that rocked his world. And the other part of me is also Drigas Duplessis, he just looks so sloppy. He throws a lot of volume. It's not like it's strategic volume. It's more of just I'm throwing everything I got at you, including the kitchen sink. And, yeah, he probably would tag Brunson up here and there. But Brunson's got insane power in BJJ skills where I feel like if he goes to the ground, he's going to win. Or if it gets – how sloppy Duplessis is, he will get caught with a shot. And I think Brunson's got the power to, to rock him, knock him down, take it to the ground, knock him out. Like, I, I just like Brunson here as a big underdog. I like it a lot, actually. I mean – I, I like Drikas Duplessis. I think he's a cool person. I think his last fight, beating Darren Till, he felt really good. He knocked him the fuck out. So that was awesome. But like you said, man, Cannonier was, I mean, Brunson was winning that fight until Cannonier caught him. And Brunson is still a, a big dude. Like, he's a problem. So Brunson's power and then his the way he can pick shots, as long as he just doesn't get sloppy, doesn't get anything crazy, this is a crazy fight for him to be an underdog in. Yeah, I'm pulling up right now the middleweight rankings. You got Brunson at five, Drigas Duplessis at 10. But Drigas is another person. Drigas is top 10 middleweight in the world. Put him up against Bo Nichols, see what happens. I hate you. <laughs> I do like him. I do like Bo Nichols to take him down, though. Uh, but then our next fight, Cody Garbrandt versus Trevon Jones. Uh, Garbrandt is the favorite here. Not a super big favorite. I think, like, minus 170. Uh, it's, it's I'm an MMA casual. Who's Cody Garbrandt? Uh, no love. <laughs> I'm an MMA casual. Tell me the about person, The person that put on a performance of the year against Dominic Cruz just to get beat by one of the biggest underdogs of all time and TJ Dillashaw. <laughs> That's Cody Garbrandt. And his last five in, he's one in four. So, and he's a favorite. Like, I'm not saying Trevon Jones is great by any – he's 13-9, and nine, all right? He's not that good of a fighter at any – great BJJ, great on the ground. Not – and he has power, but he's not the most strategic, doesn't have to guess game plans, isn't the best fighter. But I don't know, but Cody Garvin's chin has just been gone to me. Like, especially now at Bantamweight, 10 pounds lighter, he's just I, – 
as an underdog, I think I guess I'm going back to back dogs here. I really like Trayvon Jones. Like Cody Garber could get cracked. And if he gets cracked and it goes to the ground, Trevon Jones is in his wheelhouse. And I could see a submission. I could see a TKO because Trevon Jones got the position and is laying shots on him. I just I really like Trayvon Jones here. Cody Garbrandt is way over the hill. I, I compared him to George Cambosis. I thought Cody Garbrandt is the UFC version of George Cambosis Jr. Because like Cody Garbrandt put on a, a performance of a lifetime against Dominic Cruz, who no one thought could be beat at the time. Just like Tia, not Tia, just like how Loma was unbeatable till Tia Fimo beat him. And then George Cambosis came around and came around and beat Tia Fimo. I feel like that's showed Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt came around, beat Dominic Cruz. And what happened in his first defense? He lost against a way better fighter. Which, uh, it, uh, Cambosis was uh, Devin Haney. Like, the moment the better fighter comes in, you're going to lose. And now I don't know what to do with George Cambosis in the boxing world. Like, that boy's unplaceable. Like, he's like he's just not that good to be in the top three. But he also shouldn't be fighting no-name no, no, name, no name fighters. Cody Garbrandt's in the same boat in the UFC. Like, but he has accepted the fact that he's over the hill, and now he has to fight no-name guys. So he's fighting Trevon Jones. So I like Trevon Jones as an underdog. I really think there's a 50-50 fight just because Garbrandt's was never that good was he now he's old and has no chin it's just if he gets i just don't see much left in him and i i like giving i like getting an underdog against him any day of the week okay so like my question is my everything gets so foggy when i try to when i do that part of the motherfucking bantamweight division so cody garbrandt he was on the Ultimate Fighter with Conor McGregor and Uriah. Hall. He was coach, yeah. Was he a coach or was he a fighter? No, he was a coach when he was. Uh, no, so when uh, T.J. Dillashaw was the was the co cap the co person, he was just part of T.J. Dillashaw's camp, and like he was the you know how they have their coaches with them at all times. That was Cody Garbrandt, but then Cody Garbrandt got his own uh, episode against T.J. Dillashaw, I believe. And then, yeah, so after Team Alpha Male, they went in there and then t- every time, every chance Cody Garbrandt got, he motherfucking was um, trying to fucking fight TJ Dillashaw during that, that tough season. Yeah, he went, he, he got the, an amateur decision over Henry Bryonis to follow up with three straight first round knockouts. No love Garbrandt, literally KOing vicious style. And this was like 2016. UFC is kind of not that big at this point. So Dominic Cruz fights him. He beats Dominic Cruz. Unanimous decision. Everyone thought he won. Cody Garbrandt deserved that belt. But then he loses second round KO to TJ Dillashaw. Then first round KO to TJ Dillashaw. Then another first round KO to Pedro Munoz. And at this point, then we see him go against Rafael, get the, the finish. Then he goes against Rob Font, gets a decision lost, and then he moves down in weight class to fight Kai Car France. Kai Car France, we saw last uh, 2021, sent him to oblivion with the fucking right hand KO. So it's just like, I don't, I just think his chin's done. Like we saw him get that one good win against Dominic Cruz, but outside of that, who's his best win? Tiaka Muzagaki, Rafael Kukau, like. As an underdog, I really like this fight, bro. Like, this is – I don't think Trevon Jones is anything. But this is not – like, this is a 50-50 fight, and I'm taking the underdog just for the plus odd. Let's say I'll take Cody Garbrandt just to see what the fuck happens. But if he gets slept on, I'll be like, ah, I call it you. I mean, looking bad. And then let's move into the main card. Marquez Gamrot versus Jalen, Jalen Turner, number seven lightweight versus number 10 lightweight. Gamrot's – Two losses, Benil Dairesh, and one loss way back in the day. He has a win over Armin Soyukian, who me and you both thought probably Armin should have won, but you never know with judging. And then Jalen Turner, I mean, he's coming off of fucking five straight W's. The last W, he got the mounted guillotine choke at 45 seconds against Brad Riddell, who I picked in that fight on the Adesanya Kainier card. I picked my dog Jalen Turner, the spider. Six but foot, I, right? He's he's the Fandora of UFC. That's because like Fandora is way too big for his weight class. That's Jalen Turner. He's like six foot four with like an eighty inch reach and like a lightweight. 
very real. When my dog sit down, he touches me. His, his motherfucking hand starts to flow. For sure. But I respect it. I mean, this is going to be a good fight. I think this is um Gamrot and his that last fight um, against Sarkarukian. I think the wrestling and the scrambles in that fight was awesome. I think top level, one of the best fights of the year that no one will talk about. Nobody will, but that was awesome. That was like beautiful wrestling. I remember being, I want to say I was out somewhere and just being like, wow, I'm watching. This is the best wrestling I've ever seen. But I don't think Jalen Turner is coming in this fight to wrestle with you. I think Jalen Turner is coming to fight. Oh, you got to take down? No problem. Oh, damn. How did it, how did we get this time? This body, this body triangle. And now we're, we're transitioning into a guillotine. Now we're transitioning into a motherfucking heading on. Like, motherfucking, I think Jalen Turner has a bag that has a really nice bag with BJJ. And Gamrot, it's not, and I don't think Gamrot's going to look, can outstrike him. So he has to take it to the ground. And oh. I don't, that's where he's most comfortable. We haven't seen a Turner submission since 2017. Oh, before that? 2017 was in KOTC. He was four and three. He got a triangle choke in the first round against Valula Sarku. Saru- I'm over here thinking my dog is submission expert. Nah, so like his uh, his other submissions before that, this is 2017. The submission before that, he had three, one in 2014 and two in 2015. Way before the UFC, since joining the UFC, he's been a knockout artist, like fucking, he was in Bellator. First round KO win. Dana White contender series. Stoppage. Someone broke a foot. He gets a, a first round KO against Vincent. He lost first round KO to Vince Luque, one of the GOATs, one of our favorites. Then he gets then he gets the US, a first round KO against Colin Porter. Then he loses a NAMIT decision out of our guy out of Tampa, South Gracie, Florida. Matt Steamrolla, Frivola. Which I can understand that decision. And Frivola was someone who was like, I'm not like I'm willing to walk forward. The one thing about Turner is he has reach. He has insane reach. He's super long. He can tag you from the outside. And the tagging ends up knocking you out after a while because he does have power. Frivola was like, I'm willing to walk forward. I'm not worried about you hitting me with these long range. I, I gotta get close to do damage. He won the decision. Since then, it went on a five-fight win streak, the guillotine choke over Riddell. That was his last submission in 2022. But, like, since then, 2017 was the last one. But even with the Riddell fight, he was being his ass. Like, it was in 40 seconds, but, like, he dropped him, was able to probably get TKO, instead got the choke. And then he got the Jamie Malarkey KO. Another good win. I love Turner. I love the reach. I love everything about him. I'm picking him because he's an underdog, and I like the underdog odds. But... I really hope Turner can reuse. Like this is the fight that would make or break for me. Is Turner a legitimate contender to maybe one time fight in the top five of the um, lightweight division, or is he just a long guy that's hard to prepare for? And that's what this fight was showing me. Because if he could beat Gamrot, who's literally a one-trick pony, of like I will shoot the takedown twenty-five times. If he, I'm not saying he's a one-trick pony because that does discredit him. He does have good hands. But when you come against Jalen Turner, you're not going to beat him on the feet at all. So if he is able to stuff Gamrot's takedowns, I think Turner's a legitimate force. But if Gamrot is able to take him down in the first round and we're sitting here watching Gamrot just sit on top of Turner for three rounds, I am, I am out on Turner. I, am fine. I, I, I think he could be a top 15 fighter, but he'll never be a top-tier guy. I'm picking Turner as the underdog, and I'm hoping he can use his long-ass reach to stop the one-trick pony, which is Gamrock. Bro, I think you said it better than anything, though. That was probably the motherfucking... That's the best right there. That was a fucking phenomenal take. This is going to make it or break it for us, at least. They're like, yo, this dude's either this dude's either entertaining and cool dude to watch, or he's a future contender. Who's your pick? You got Turner? You riding with me? We're riding into the sunset. Let's get into the third fight, which could honestly main event any fight night there is. Could probably main event a pay-per-view card if the casuals were to tune in more. You have Geoff Neal, number seven welterweight of the world, 15-4 versus Shav Rock Rock Minov, number eight welterweight in the world. And Kev, I, don't, I hope you remember because you're my only witness to this. I was telling people about this in our early episodes last year. 
of like shock rock rock men off is the killer at welterweight like people are talking about the motherfucker what's his name um yeah everyone's talking about hanza but there is a killer that's a legitimate welterweight and well i don't that's a 50 right now him versus hanza's 50 50 to me bro shot rock rock men off 16 and 0 eight finishes and eight submissions the, the perfect balance there could be bro he fought um, his last fight, he went up against the Haitian sensation, Neil Magny, gets the guillotine choke in the second round. It was a back, it wasn't say back and forth, but they were feeling each other out. He got hit with a couple. He landed his own, but he got the guillotine choke in the second round. He gets the first round spinning hook kick to against uh, Carlston Harris, and then he gets back-to-back submissions against Alex Oliveira and Mikel Fazeras. Like, this is the, to me, the most complete package UFC prospect I've ever seen. And this is, I know I haven't been around 10 plus years. I can't say for everybody else, but my limited time in the past two and a half, two years, Shabrarogmin up is the legitimate full package. A hundred percent do both. Like he's somebody uses his attribute skew tree to the best. If this was a fucking video game, he was upgrading everything one at a time, all the same. Because this motherfucker is a 99 and everything. Like, I love Shop Rock Rock Man Up. He's a huge favorite. Minus like 700, minus 600. And that's just to show you, like, Geoff Neal is no slouch. 15 and 4, number 7 welterweight in the world. Like, this is a real deal great fighter. But I just think Shop Rock Rock Man Cup is the he's the only welterweight that i will talk about as an upcoming kinder like that like he is on ian gary is really close to what shock robert armando was when he came into the motherfucking welterweight division well fuck you motherfucking uh i now i ain't got time to say nothing about shock you don't hit it everything paul what's the, how much how much how much time did you spend doing your research this week this man, this part, part hit everything. The only but, thing that Geoff Neal's got on him is Geoff Neal's got a mean left hook. That if he and if he allows him to hit him the way he allowed Neil Magnum to hit him in the first round, it could be okay. Danger zone. Let's see. Let's see what you're really made out of when you get rocked. Because if Geoff Neal lands a couple of left hooks that send your like lights out, and while you're standing up. I'm it's time to see this. That's why, like, the odds are huge, but don't get it wrong. There is definitely a route to win for Geoff Neal. Like, he has power, and we've seen Shawcroft get hit with a couple of shots from people who don't got power. So it's not like, let's see what happens if someone with power lands on you. Nah, dead ass. So, this is another test. He gets this fight against the motherfucker. So, Geoff Neal comes in his bitch, willing, like, yo, bro, I'm trying to swing, I'm trying to fuck some shit up. And he swings every punch with bad intention. Them bitches land, he can definitely do some damage. But like you said, Shawcott is the motherfucking, is the gold standard at this point right now when it comes to just prospects and what you need to be a led to be a future contender in the UFC. Kim versus Hazmat 50 50. That's, uh, I'm not sure yet. I got the only, only reason I said that is because I don't see Hamza as a real middleweight, I mean, as a real welterweight. He had like he didn't make weight his last fight, and I'll hold that against him. <laughs> I respect it. So yeah, I respect. It. I would love to see Shawcott versus like a Gilbert Burns. That shouldn't be crazy. But um, Shawcott is the truth, and I think this is gonna this fight's gonna show his level to adapt. If he does get in trouble at one point, because Geoff Neal does have does have heavy ass hands and got bricks in the motherfuckers. I, he can definitely get if he gets to a point just to show can he adapt can he can what can he do next can he pull the, can he think on his feet and pull the next thing out of Arsenal I think yes and I think I don't even think that will happen I think it's not going to be a domination but it will be a masterclass and Shawcott is the truth man hey I'll give you these wins on Geoff Neal he beat Mike Perry Nico Price but Leo Muhammad coming off his last two wins. Santiago Porzimbo, one of the great strikers right now that's ranked, and he's not, he never went five for a belt, but he's striking wise, one of the top class. And he got a KO win. We covered the fight, the Vince Luque fight, round three KO. 
knocked his ass out. Luke's chin was no more. Two yeah, losses. Two losses, one in 2020 and one in 2021. Steven Wonderboy Thompson and Neil Magny. Safrod Rogmanov beat Neil Magny. I mean, UFC, math, you never know what really happens. But uh, Shockroff beat Neil Magny. Geoff Neil got beat by Neil Magny. Not a reason why I'm picking him, but just Neil Magny and and Prozimbo, because Prozimbo was a 50-50. It was a split decision. But he also the Wonder Boy, another striker. And I think Shockroff Rockmanov striking is up there with all of them. Plus the BJJ back. So that, that just he has such a complete package. I can't pick him. Cannot not pick him. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm rocking with Shab. This is Shab zone right here. Yeah, this is the Rock Monarch, baby. Welcome to the Rock. But hey, man, but on to the next fight. Cold yeah, event. We got my wife. My wife. How, how young boy said it? My wife. Your wife, Valentina Shevchenko, number one flyweight of the world, flyweight championship on the table versus Alexa Grasso. Viva la Mexico, la Grasso. Number six flyweight in the world right here. And boy, is this going to be an ass whooping. Lauren <laughs> Murphy versus Andrade type ass whooping? A hundred percent, bro, but with a finish. Ooh. Yeah, my wife is relentless. She's like a rabbit wolverine. Uh, two reasons why I see the finish and I see Valentina winning. I mean, the odds are heavily in her favor. She's a super favorite here. Um, two things is Alexa Grasso is a striker. And Valentina is the best striker of them all. So, like, she's going to beat you at your own thing. That's one reason why I see her not winning, let alone getting finished. And the second reason is Valentina... Her last fight against Tila Santos, everyone, including me, is saying Santos won that fight. There's a lot of people that don't think Valentina won her last fight. She's heard all the noise. She's heard everything. People are saying, oh, maybe it's because she's getting older. Maybe it's because she's not the, like, we see this happen with all the greats. Like, they get a little older. They're no longer the same fighter. Is Valentina now going to fall off that cliff? We saw Tila Santos almost beat her. And I think Valentina's heard all that, and she's in the gym harder than ever. And I think Alessa Grasso is going to be that young, that young stepchild, redhead stepchild that's going to get the mean ass whooping just because Valentina's pissed off. And Valentina, like everyone's been saying, she's too old, all that stuff. Like this is going to be the fight where we see her come out there and beat Grasso, who everyone considers one of the best strikers at flyweight, beat her in striking. And then body to body slam her and probably finish it on the mat. And so, like, I, I'm heavy in Valentina and a heavy in Valentina to get the finish. I, that's one of the bets. I'm saving my bets towards the end. There's a lot of bets. I got a lot of money on this card. But the only reason why I got a lot of money on this card is because I made a lot of money on the last couple cards. So, I hope you all, you all follow throughout the episode. Kev, throw it to you. So, my wife is so awesome at fighting. Ah, Valentina Shevchenko. But this is going to be, like you said, she's heard the noise. She's going to be, and Dave is saying, yo, Aaron Blanchfield might be able to put them things on her real quick. So, like, she's heard the noise and she's coming ready to prove to everybody that she's still the fucking truth. And she still possibly could move up one day and go and make the New Year's trilogy happen. Motherfucking, she's the second one was close. I mean, shit. She still thinks she won that one. I still think she won that one. Motherfucking. So Valentina Shevchenko is going to come into domination. She's gonna, I think she's going to dominate all three levels. From the beginning of the fight, she's going to control the pace. I think she's going to outstrike her. She's going to get, if they go to the ground, she's going to get the community control time. And if the under is two and a half, I'm taking under. Yeah, I got Valentina. I'm, I'm going to let my hand out a little bit. A little bit. Valentina Shevchenko to get the finish. Minus 150. Almost a pick em odds. Give me that. But let's move it to the heavyweights here because, like, we're both heavy on Shevchenko. We don't have to spend much time on it. Like, just know Shevchenko should if, – if Shevchenko loses, we will be back for the recap with eggs on our head, and we will admit that. But, like, that's how quick we're spending on that fight. I'm pulling up. I got to go console my woman. Right here is a pick em fight, damn near. John Jones' slight favorite. 
versus Cyril Gunn, slight underdog for the vacant heavyweight championship of the world. Don Jones layoff of almost three years. Cyril Gunn, we just seen get the KO win over Tai Two of Austin. What was one of the best fights of the year? Like, like without, well, I don't think you would disagree with me. It was like the atmosphere, the way the fight was. And the, the way tied to Voss is able to take a shot and still swing back, which would made it so much more entertaining than someone like taking shots a lot. It was one of the better fights last year. And now we get the vacant heavyweight championship of the world on the line. John Jones return, seal gone. Let's talk it. So I don't know. Maybe it's because when I seen this John Jones return, I was expecting, I was really expecting him to go against Stipe. He kind of beats up on a, him and Stipe have a close one or a good fight. And then we get to see him versus Francis Ngannou for the championship. So my dream to see John Jones come back at heavyweight. I think I've come back to the UFC at, and rest fight at heavyweight. I think I was, I had too much of a set plan, too much of a big dream idea. So it's hard for me to enjoy the like, oh, John Jones versus Cyril Don for the, um, for the vacant heavyweight title. I really didn't see it going that way even slightly. But such is like, I also don't see, I understand Sirogan has the agility. He has speed and he's and he has power. He's huge. Everybody's saying he's a heavyweight that moves like a, one, like, like a 135. I can see it and I can respect it. And I, during his fight against Tai Tuivasa after he got dropped, everybody's saying that he jumped to a new level, another level, and he was showing like, yo, if you came to fucking fight, I'll show you what, I'll show you that we can fucking fight. So I respect it, but like, I don't see him doing this stuff against the GOAT. I think I like John Jones to maybe get some rest in him. And I was expecting a bigger John Jones. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was I was expecting John actually the picture just came out today of him um of what he looks like. And I was expecting, like, if you spent this three years off, I was expecting you to, like, really bulk up, like, put on straight muscle on the ass. But, like, he didn't go to the D.C. route. Like, the, the gut didn't come or nothing like that. But it's just, like, I was expecting him to. Hmm. I didn't know his brother was Chandler Jones. Yeah, and Arthur Jones, another, like, great. Like, there's a whole family of greats. That's insane. So, like, get used to getting, so, like, Get used to getting beat up on by motherfucking big ass motherfuckers. Because if you've seen what Chandler Jones, that stiff arm he did to Mac Jones this season on that crazy Raider place, you're going to respect what the fuck they got going on over there in the Jones household. So he comes from greatness. He is the GOAT. And I don't see, unless he's rusty, but I really feel like he still has his speed because he took the time. Even though he might not be crazy big, he took the time to be bulk up and really bulk up the right way from what he's, what he's told us. So I don't know, man. Why do you see this shit going? Mr. What does your shirt even say? Mr. Bone Collector. All right. My boy Cyril Gone is coming to pick up the Mr. Bones himself in any way he wants it. Really? Nah, I'm talking a little bit about my ass. But I do I like Cyril Gone to get the dub. I John Jones, we haven't seen him in three years almost this is his first fight back and it's not against some scrub it's against arguably outside of francis not even arguably i think outside of francis the best heavyweight in the world my big thing is we haven't seen him and i'm gonna use your own medicine against you kev like you don't get better at what you don't do we haven't seen this man fight in three years and his first fight is against the best heavyweight in the world and it's not some sloppy heavyweight it's the best heavyweight like we've seen in a while. Like pound for pound, like this man can move, agility. And yes, Francis beat him. But go back and watch that L. He was got the takedowns happened when he was he didn't anticipate Francis to have wrestling, didn't train for wrestling, and he fights against Francis and he's beating him a hundred percent. The first two rounds, he's beating him. And then all of a sudden, he throws a couple high body kicks, a head kick, and he gets taken down on some spear shots. Against somebody you were not anticipating to shoot a spear shot against you. What do you expect John Jones to do? Wrestle. This man has the BJJ in his back pocket. He has the takedown defense. He's fast. He's not slow. He won't let you get the positions you want. 
that I just think he's fits up so good against John Jones. And on top of he lines up because he, he has this John Jones, this might be his first fight. He doesn't have the speed advantage. I can't say that because there's some fights he's fighting against smaller people that have speed advantages. But like we saw him against Dominic Reyes not be able to get the takedowns that he wanted. And Dominic Reyes isn't 247. Like, Dominic Reyes is not this built. Like, I just think Cyril Gone is just a heavyweight. Like, we've seen other people try to move weight classes. It doesn't end well. The reason why most of the time, the difference in weight and power and, like, ability to take positions because of weight. Like, and Cyril Gone, I think, is going to show the world that. Like, I love him as an underdog here. I mean, I respect all of that. But I think he still has his speed, like, I don't think Jones Jones is gonna miss a beat because we do have to remember he was pound for pound like and it's also don't forget that like he fought a month before COVID like his last fight was February eighth twenty twenty and by March everything was shut down so like the one you see though they had an island they had the apex going after six months but I mean life was different though so like. I don't think it's just a normal three years. I think his, like, the whole world changed around him, and he needed to find a reason to get up to fight again. And I think that's powerful. John Jones spent his time thinking, yo, this is going to be a challenge, and people are doubting me once again. This is what I love. This is what I'm here for. If he got up and got after, because you got to remember, this is the same man that won the championship after fucking chasing down a motherfucker that stole somebody's purse. And holding him down until, until the police came the day, the, a couple of hours before the fight. The same motherfucker that turned up and partied and go, go, went and did cocaine, just goes and does a shit ton of cocaine just in case he loses. He can say, Well, I wasn't training, I was just partying my ass off. Like, this is the same motherfucker. This motherfucker came in, comes in with the, comes in with the mindset like, Yo, I got to show that I'm still the GOAT, I'm the greatest of all time. DC did this shit. I can do this shit. Fuck y'all. That's go. And remember, he was preparing to fight Stipe. He was preparing to fight Nugani. Like, I don't think anything like has him shook about Ciro Gan. See, my one thing is this is also like prime John Jones. John Jones won a belt at 21 years old, the youngest champion ever. Yep. He's 35 I- in seven months. He'll be 36. He'll be 36 in a couple months. Mm-hmm. His body's not the same. And I think that's why he couldn't take down Dominic Reyes and why he had a split decision against Tiago Santos. Now he's a couple three years older. And this may be the first fight in a long time where he doesn't have a significant reach advantage. That's facts. That's actually interesting. I've watched his fights all day. I'm looking like, oh. He's usually the bigger man, and he's always has a crazy – why he's able to take down great wrestlers, why he's able to initiate Clint and not get hit is because he's able to throw elbows from the outside when people can't even throw punches from the same clinch. Cyril Gunn is going to be able to line up with him, and that's just the – and he'll have the weight advantage. Yeah. I think when it comes to strength, Cyril Gunn got it. I don't think John, but John Jones lost too much of his speed in his process. But huh, what happens when they're on the ground? Can Sogan on the ground's a different story. I'm just hoping the fight doesn't hit the ground, and when it does hit the ground, Gon's BJJ is able to able to like counter negotiate John Jones trying to get too aggressive and overthrowing, and also maybe he can sprawl out of it. They I think it's rolling it a little bit. He gets out of it. I think it has no choice but to hit the ground. I'm giving it at least two, at least three to five minutes of control time on the ground. Well, this is where it gets interesting, Kev. We gotta make our picks, don't we? Oh, you are. It's not. It's not hard at all. You know who I'm going. But I, I, I agree. I mean, it's not hard at all. We collected bones on this side. My boy, I'm big bony, man. Big bony. Fuck the bone collectors. You got to put my shit up in a museum. Me and my fellow bone collector, Cyril Gong, going to be walking happy with the belt around our waist come, what is this, come Saturday night, early Sunday morning, depending on what time zone you win. I don't know if Cyril Gong got that dog in him for real. We'll see. But I'm taking John Jones for show. The GOAT. 
Big dog, my boy Marcus Primetime Penny. He taking motherfucking John Jones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fucking banger of a card. It's lit from up, up and down. And y'all better put some respect on my homie's name. John Jones is the GOAT. He's done everything you can do in this motherfucking um in this um game and he's beat DC twice. And I don't think a lot of niggas can say that. I respect it. Um I can't I can't argue because John Jones is arguably the GOAT. If it hits the mat, like I said, I'm hoping for it to see some sprawls. I'm hoping to see that Gone does enough damage that it doesn't matter. I'm hoping to see all of that. But the reality is John Jones could hit the mat. I'm just hoping the age is a factor, the size is a factor, because he's always been the bigger, bigger guy. This will be the first time where he probably isn't the bigger guy. And it's three years, and you're going up against the best heavyweight we've seen in a while. So it, UFC knows how to make fights. I'll give it to fucking Dan every time. That motherfucker knows what he's doing. He's cooking with something. I got some bets for the fight. I'm going to run through them real quick. Hopefully – I'm going to have all my bets in under two minutes real quick. Derek Brunson, plus 190. Almost a two-to-one bet. Give me that money line straight up. Give That's me, pretty Yeah, give me a double dog bet. Give me Derek Brunson and Cyril Gunn. Put those two together, and you're sitting almost like 12-to-1, plus 1,200 odds. Give me those two dogs. That's some good odds. I ain't going to lie, but dang, too bad not going to hit then I got some more pickums that I really like. Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso to to end uh, to not go to decision, basically end in a finish, and Sovrock Rockman off the win. Pickum odds minus one ten. Give me those. Another pickum minus one ten is Sovrock Rockman off Valentina Shevchenko, Bo Nickel, Ian Gary, and John Jones and gone to go over over one and a half rounds. Those are pick. I give me that parlay. I pick them odds. That's it. Super big, plus four thousand six hundred odds. One dollar to win forty six and fifty cents. Forty six. Derek Brunson, Jalen Turner, Cyril Gunn, and Trevon Jones versus Cody Garbrandt. This is my underdog parlay. Four underdogs. Why not? I like Jalen Turner to maybe get the K over Gamrot. Trevon Jones could be Cody Garbrandt. Derek Brunson I really like as an underdog against Trikas Duplessis. And then Cyril gone and a pick of, I know we split, but I know we can agree on those odds. But those odds are crazy. If you just didn't have Cyril gone in that motherfucker, you'll take like... Like a John Alexa. Jones or something? Yeah, like you throw a John Jones in that thing, I'd have been like, yeah, that's my dog. I got... I, I'm putting two dollars on that. You can probably get really good. It probably won't be the forty-six. It'll probably be like four thousand. You'll still get nice odds on it. But then my other bets: Leo Mana Martinez plus two forty. Give me the money line straight up against Cameron Simon. Simon is seven and zero. Super young, fresh off the Contender Series. I've seen it a lot. With the one big favorite has to lose. And this is my big favorite to lose. He's too young in his career. He hasn't seen adversity. Martinez can fight with you on the stand-up and take you down. We'll shoot a lot of takedowns and uses BJJ. We've seen these young fighters coming to UFC and is not be ready for that first fight in the UFC. And that's why I love that plus 240 odds right there. Then we got what's up? So for the underdog parlay, if I were to switch out John Jones and add Shopcock. Would that make my odds better or because I have two favorites that would make the odds on to go down? So if you have the three other underdogs, you're already sitting at probably like almost plus 3,000. Then if you throw John Jones, you're probably going to move up to plus 4,000. This is all – I'm not too sure. I don't have it in front of me. But you're all probably batting around plus 4,000. If you add Shock Rimoff, you're probably sitting at like plus 3,200, like 3,000. Mm-hmm. Only because he's such a big favorite, it won't boost your odds too much. Whereas John Jones is a pick'em, where you throw him on there with the other underdogs, it like exponentially it rises you a lot more. Okay, thank you for the quick master class. Then my other bet, these are more of my guaranteed bets that I really like. These are little parlays. 
Valentina Shevchenko to win in the distance and Bo Nickel to win. This is a pick em, minus 110. Nice. Then I, I like Valentina to win in the distance by itself, minus 150. Though a little bit more on that to win because you're not going to get pick em odds, but that's just, I really like that bet. Then Derek Brunson versus Derek, uh, versus Drikas Duplessis to not go to scorecards. And Shop Rock Rock Minoff versus Geoff Neal to go to scorecards. Plus 340. Give me, I like those odds. I think Geoff Neal is a good test for Shock Rock Minoff. He has a chin. He ain't going to gamble on the ground game. So I think this, especially since there's only three rounds, I can see this fight going by 15 minutes. Derek Brunson versus Drinkers Duplessis. There's no fucking way this goes to scorecards. You got Derek Brunson, heavy hitting, uh, fat, tired ass motherfucker going against Drinkers Duplessis, who loves to throw everything he got in every shot. Someone's getting tired. Someone's going to sleep. There's no way to see 15 minutes. I respect it. And then I I got um, let me see. Then my big I have another big bet here. It's Geoff Neal versus Rockminoff to go to decision. Valentina to win and and the distance inside the distance to get the finish. Jalen Turner versus Gamrot to uh, get a finish. And Derek Brunson. Oh no, man, not to get. Uh, so I'll start off. Jalen Turner versus Gamrot to go to scorecard. Geoff Neal versus Rockminoff to go to scorecard. Valentina Shevchenko to win by either submission or KO. And Derek Brunson versus Duplessis to not go to scorecard, plus seventeen hundred, two to win thirty four. That's what my bet is. That's fine. All right, I was hoping to do it in two minutes. It took me five. I apologize, but I made money on a lot of my bets. Even a lot of my bets, you don't have to parlay; just bet them by themselves. I love all these bets singularly as well. So, no, that was a lot of fucking bets you just gave out. Like, like I said, I've been on a heater with these other UFC fights, so I'm like, why not? Let's throw all the money into this card. I'm going to be watching it. But I have one question for you, right? So, John Jones, imagine having to go to a fight camp and not cut weight. Think about the mood that he's in while he's training. Think about how good it feels to be coming in fully hydrated, full eating meals, eating like three meals, eating probably really good meals, like probably stuff like high-protein chicken. Maybe just steak steak every once in a while. And then fast food on the way home. I'm telling you, doing whatever the fuck you feel like you feel. And we've seen what motherfucking what um Volkanovski did while you went up, even though it's not the same. But that's a Volkanovski that he came really pumped up, and he still has to cut weight to make that weight class. This is a John Jones that cut no weight at all. So every time he went to camp, he was in a good mood and ready to go. I'm just saying, maybe the things you gotta oh, think about. I'm gonna say pressure creates diamonds. And the second thing I'm gonna say is, yeah, that's all fun and games. And yeah, I fucking tear up that chicken, John Jones. Tear up that meat. Tear it up. Tear it up. Get fucking do it all, bro. Be as happy as you want to be. But come fight day when Cyril Gon's two sixty five and you're still two forty five. That's gonna mean something. I understand. Yeah. So like I say, like. That that's the that's the bone collector mentality over here. I mean, I'm sorry. This is how I'm coming. I respect it, but hey man. Go is here, man. Shout out Dana Man for making this fight happen. We've been waiting 90. They did it, bro. John Jones is in this motherfucker. So UFC 285. We got John Jones, Cyril Gone, Valentina versus Grasso, Gamrot versus Turner. Got Bo Nichols debut on a UFC card. Cody Garbrandt, fucking who else is on this? Ian Gary, the future. Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner. Trevon Jones, who is fighting Cody Garbrandt. Hopefully, he makes a big name for himself with this win. Is Chris Curtis not on the card no more? No, he's on two eighty-seven. He's on the card. We going to? Oh, we not even going. Oh, shout out Paul. Shout out me. Shout out my shout brother. Kev. We got some shit coming for y'all 287. It's going to be a vibe. We're not even going to talk about that yet. Let's get to 285, homies. All right, yeah. Let's wrap up 285. We spent the whole hour with y'all. We fuck with you. You've been here. Hopefully, you follow the picks. Hopefully, we, we, we make money together. 
As always, like, subscribe, drop a comment, your bets, your picks, the vibe of the channel. This has been Paul Pickham, William Concha. I was joined with Kev, Waterboy, Street Fight Enthusiast, Savoy, John Jones Enthusiast, and Self. This has been UFC 287, and we'll catch y'all boys on the recap. If y'all didn't know, well, now y'all know, motherfuckers. Measurements, plug here, let them in, passing out the medicines. We've been on that rock star regiment, knowing that I'm heaven sent, higher than I ever been.